food, so we're on anyway, so um, wasn't really sure how many people were going to be here just because of the weather and stuff like that, um, but obviously the sun has come out and, and we're here and it's a great day and we wouldn't miss it anyway, we're going to swim, boat, however we were going to get here, James, we were going to make sure we had this one happen, considering we had to postpone the last one as well, but that's okay. Um, we're starting a brand new series this week, and we're going to go for three weeks. Uh, it's called How to Be Rich. Now, it's talking about, it's talking about I guess, our, uh, how we interact with money. Now, that's a weird thing, and I'll, I'll get on to, to talking about money and thinking, mate, aren't you talking talk about Jesus in church, and we're talking about money, you know, isn't that something for outside? Well, stay with us, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that, all right? Don't, 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 don't switch off just yet. Um, but when it comes to money, I remember when I was a kid, Okay, I never, I never had a lot of money. As in, I never, I never had a job. Uh, you know, some some kids work. Uh, I never had that opportunity. I used to live out on the farm with Dad, and I did work a lot, but not for a lot, if you know what I'm saying. Um, so, uh, and I enjoyed that, but yeah, certainly wasn't um, wasn't paid a lot. I, I got food and board, I guess, and all that sort of stuff. But I remember a few of my mates at school. Uh, These like year six, year seven, that sort of age. They used to be paper boys. Now, I don't know if anyone's ever had like a paper run or something like that, you know, the kid, but where, where I was, this is Narrabri, New South Wales, um, little country town. Uh, what used to happen was the paper boy would get, get all his papers in his backpack or on a little basket or a little something that he rigged up. Um, might have been some girls too, I don't know, never met any of them, but they all seemed to be paper boys. And, and they'd, all they'd do is they'd get, um, they'd get their papers, they'd ride up and down the streets and they would sell papers, okay, it's not just delivering papers, it was actually selling papers, so what they'd do is they'd ride up the street, Tuesdays and Thursdays was paper day, that was the day the paper came out on, at Narrabri, um, where I grew up, and uh, they would go up and down the street blowing a whistle, and they'd blow a whistle, and when everyone heard the whistle, everyone would come out with their 80 cents, I think it was, if I've got it right, something like that, they'd come out with their 80 cents, and they'd buy a paper, and they'd go back in happy, and, and the person who sold the paper, I think they used to get, it was either 5 or 10 cents, they used to get a cut, Right, so that's how they make their money. It was like a commission base, like a, you know, uh, they'd get, well, if they sold more papers, they got more money. And they used to do fairly well at it, um, particularly if it was raining uh, or wet or cold or something like that, because everyone would feel very sorry for them that these poor paper boys would be out there and they'd have covers over their papers and they'd be like drowned rats. And, and they used to do all right. And like I said, they used to love the windy and cold and wet weather uh, because they could get more money. I never had that sort of money. And these guys used to have these, you know, they had like a steady job from when they were like 11, 12 years old and they used to have all this money that we never had or that I never had and I thought, man, it'd be great to have that. The closest I ever got to being a paper boy was every now and then we'd, be, we'd come into town maybe on a Tuesday or a Thursday and if you're, at, if you're in town at the right time and you're in like a residential area, you'd sneak outside and you'd give a really big whistle and just then hide behind some cars or bushes just to see how many people you'd get out on the street um, and then they'd be looking up and down for the paper boy. That's about as close as I ever got to making money. Um, it never... <laughs> I never got to sell a single paper. Um, but that was until, until I got to about year, I think it was year nine, or the end of year eight, year nine, where I sort of, I got my first proper job. And my job that I had was uh, what we used to call cotton chipping. Now, it was out on the farm, uh, you'd go and work for a contractor and you'd have rows of cotton, okay, you know, cotton that you, you know, you grow your clothes, okay, just this cotton bush, and you'd have rows and rows of cotton, and you'd walk up and down these rows in the middle of summer with a, with a chipping hoe, with a hoe in your hand, and you'd chip weeds. That was my first proper job, and I'd do this, and, and the rows might be up to like a kilometre long, like, and it's just this paddock, no trees, just like these, in, out in the middle of summer, 40-something degrees, whatever it is, and you're out there, you'd start at the crack of dawn, so you could try and hit it while it was still cool, or coolish, 
and um, you know, so you'd be basically ready to stand in the row as soon as you could start seeing weeds. That's when we started work, and and we did it. And it was tough going, but I was, but I, I could handle it as well as the next person, even though I was only like year eight or nine. But what I used to love was at the end of every afternoon, the contractor would walk walk around to every person with this little white paper bag, little white little paper envelope, and there'd be sixty four dollars in it. $8 for every hour that we're out there. And so we'd have, I'd get these $64. So every day you did, you just got another paper bag. Like they didn't sort of wait till the end of the week or anything like that. If you turned up on Monday, on Monday afternoon, you got a little white bag, a little white envelope with $64 in it. And I remember those first few, those first few um, envelopes that I got with this money in it. I remember just like taking the money out and just thinking, wow. I've never seen so much money in all my life. Like, that's just like, it's, and it's all mine. Like, you know, like, what do I do with it? Like, this is just, this is like incredible. And the next day I've got another one and then like, I open it up and there's like, there's a 50 in there and there's like a 20 in there and it's like, you know, saying, man, this is like, well, probably not 50 and 20 because that's only 70, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was wishing. But it's just like, wow, that's, that's like, that's amazing. And the next day, and, and, and then it had rained and you couldn't work in the rain because it'd be so muddy. So you, oh, you have to wait till next week till it dries out and start again. But I was always dreaming, like, wow. What about all this money? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be great to have more money? You know, like, you know, we'll blow off the paper boys thing. That, that's, you know, they're, they're making no money compared to this. This is real money. And, and we're always sort of dreaming about, about making, uh, making more and more money. Now, as I said before, um, you might ask yourself, what, what, is a, you know, what is a pastor, what is someone at church doing talking about money? Um, there's a lot of topics. There's a lot of topics you can cover. You can talk about, uh, you know, Jesus dying on the cross, and we can talk about, you know, God and creation. Talk about a lot of stuff. But what about money? Here's the reason. Here's the reason why we why we want to stop and spend a whole series. We're talking about three weeks, um, talking about about money. Because Jesus did, and there's a reason why Jesus talked about it so much. Um, you know, it's it's interesting when when we look at why Jesus talked about money because as a Christian or as, as a even if you're not a Christian even if this is like you know you're pretty new at this stuff or you're like you know, just turned up because your friend did or something like that but it, you could, it's, it's, this is not a really hard question if you ask yourself should I should I follow God or should I follow Satan okay that's not a, you know what I'm saying that's not a real hard question to answer right like it's like that's pretty that's pretty straightforward like not many people are scratching their head going oh I don't know that's a tough question you know like oh, I don't know like either or like you know I'm not sure which way to jump on that like there's not many people that actually ask that question but the Bible actually says that where our treasures are that's where our heart is and 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 what we focus on and what we chase after has our heart and the reason I think Jesus talks so much about, about money, in fact, he actually talks more about money, uh, if, you, if you go through it, he talks more about money than he does about salvation or about you know, heaven and stuff like that because he knows that money and stuff, we'll talk about stuff, we'll talk about you know, just things, has more of a pull on us than we may ever realise. And it's the subtle, it's the, it's the, it's the drift, it's, it's the subtle slide away from focusing on God to like, well, just stuff happens and we just got to just got to do stuff. And so that's what we're talking about money, okay? So stay with us, stay with us for a little while. And we're going to go to, uh, in a little while, we're going to go to um, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we'll get there in a minute. But I want to I just, I guess, illustrate the point. Um, because there's a little bit of a phenomenon when it talks about rich people, okay? Now, 
if I asked you, and I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up or anything, so don't panic, don't, you know, you don't have to like, don't have to like, you know, be embarrassing, I'm not going to do that. But if I asked you or asked every person in this room, are you rich? Um, I, I would guess, I don't know, but I would guess there's probably not one person in this room would go, oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm filthy rich, that's me, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, pick me. Um, most times, uh, we, we certainly wouldn't describe ourselves as rich. Now, let me give you an example, okay? These are real-life examples. Um, this was stuff that was done by a, um, a commercial research uh, uh, group. Uh, I'm just going to introduce you to a few people, okay? First guy is Warren. Now, Warren lives in Victoria. He earns $25,000 a year. He works at a factory, just a casual factory job. Um, he lives with mum. He pays $150 a week rent, and he also contributes to the household uh, bills. Biggest expense that he has is driving his 14-year-old car to and from work, the petrol it costs, 35 minutes each way. It takes him. Warren would describe himself as struggling. Okay? He wouldn't describe himself as rich, wouldn't describe himself as comfortable, describes himself as struggling. That's Warren. Okay, let me introduce you to Samantha. Samantha lives in Townsville. Samantha and her husband have a combined income of 69000 Okay, so a little bit more money. Uh, they have three children and eight pets. Okay, there's a problem. Um, they might be goldfish, I don't know, doesn't say. Uh, she has eight, uh, three children, eight pets, and they pay the bills. Uh, they're on a, they're, they've sort of got rent assistance from the government, so they can afford an okay house. Like, it's not fancy fancy, but it's okay. Uh, she would describe herself as comfortably struggling. Okay, so doing all right, like, you know, if something comes up unexpected, in a spot of bother, but doing okay. Comfortably struggling. struggling. Samantha says if she earned 80000 so about another ten, eleven thousand dollars $11,000 a year, if, she said if I earned 80000 she would be comfortable. That's, how, that's her self-evaluation, okay? You see where I'm going with this? Okay, I'm going to introduce you to, to James from Queensland, not this James, different James. He's 26-year-old, he works in mining in Gladstone on $130,000 a year, partners on $30,000 a year. Bought a house three years ago, um, and like most people, all his money, uh, he, uh, sorry, he has all the money he needs, but he doesn't really have any left, anything left over. He says, um, the, more, the more I earn, the more I spend. I've got a nice car, but not really any savings. Uh, some, of the, some of his friends call him rich, because he earns maybe nearly twice as much as, he, as they do, but he, he says, I'm comfortable. He would never describe himself as rich. He said he described himself as comfortable. Okay, one more person I'm going to introduce today, and his name is Chris. Chris is an online marketer, 27-year-old. Uh, he lives in Brisbane. Um, he has, him and his partner have a combined income of $250,000 a year with no children. Everyone's going, oh, what the? Where's Chris? I want to be friends with Chris. Um, they have a mortgage, nice house. Nice cars. Um, they go on a couple of holidays every year, and I'm guessing they don't just go camping. Um, but he himself says that he doesn't consider himself rich. Uh, and this, I'll read you some of the, thing, the quotes that he says. I really believe to be at the level where money is of no concern, i.e. rich in his eyes, you'd have to be a millionaire several times over. And he says, when I first took my job out of university, I thought to myself, how much money do I really need? And once you hit that goal, though, it's always take it to the next level. Your lifestyle adjusts, you get used to living a certain way, then you set goals to earn more. Nicer car, nicer house, lifestyle, food, holidays and clothes. 
At each stage, you just start getting more bills, mortgage, car insurance, home insurance, content insurance, health insurance, life insurance, not to mention that we're starting to plan uh, life for kids, paying off the mortgage, investment properties, shares and, and superannuation. A combined income of 250000 seems to be enough for us. I now feel comfortable. Okay, so now, you get you where I'm going with this? You see, like, there's a little bit of a, a, a pattern arising. What makes people rich? If I ask Warren, the first guy, the $25,000 a year, which is like, it's pretty, pretty, pretty basic stuff, still lives at home to make, be able to make you know, ends meet. He says, well, if you had a little bit more than you actually needed, that'd be rich, that'd be sweet. I'd be, I'd be happy with that, I'd be, that'd be great. If we ask a lower income, or a, you know, an average lower income earner, what, what, what it is to be rich, they'd probably say, and this is research, this is not just me, this is, this is like, this is Australia, this is 2014 figures, uh, November 2014 this research was done. If we asked these people, average wage earner, what's rich, they'd probably say anyone above about $200,000, $250,000 a year. Now, if you're a young person, you're here at school, you're just going, oh my goodness, mate, just give me 20 bucks a week, mum, and I'm happy, I'm rich, okay? Like, I get that, all right? But you, like, like they're laughing because it's so true, hey? <laughs> But if you think about, you, maybe not you are the wage earner, but you are the, you are the, um, the recipient of your mum and dad's you know, employment or whatever it is, uh, wages. You're in that situation, you're still in the same place. So if we ask that, middle, that sort of average wage earner what's rich, they'd say $200,000, $250,000 a year is rich. We go and ask that person on $250,000 a year for that combined income, what's rich? Oh, a couple of million dollars. You know, that'd be really, that'd be like, I'd have, I wouldn't need anything else. What's happening here? If, um, oh, I was just going to say, uh, that's right, sorry, uh, the, average, the average wage, 2014, uh, November 2014, Australian Bureau of Statistics says that a average full-time wage in Australia is just a tick under $1,500 a week or about $77,000 a year, round figures. Okay, now some of you might go, oh yeah, that's about average, others might be just going, oh man, I'd, I'd love to get that, you know, I'm looking this way particularly, you know, students and whatever, like, mate, that'd be fantastic, uh, I could only dream of that. Uh, and it all seems to get to fit fairly rel uh, relative. Um, but there is, a, there is a little bit of phenomena, and that is that a rich people will never ever consider themselves, or very, very rarely will they ever admit they are rich. Now, if you're a tall person, you'll go, yep, I'm tall, I can see above everyone else, or I'm short, yep, I'm always looking at people's belly buttons, or, you know, <laughs> if I'm an introvert, you know, like, probably won't say much at all, <laughs> but, you know, if I'm an extrovert, then I'm happy to tell you I'm extrovert, and I'm, you know what I'm saying, like, there's a lot of things that you're happy to tell, but when it comes to being rich, you're like, no, no, I'm not rich, it's always, it's always this next level. And that's a, this is this little bit of a, it's this, it's this creep, or, or, um, this drift towards we always want more. And when we always want that bit more, we, we start chasing stuff that, you know, that, that other people just don't have. Jump on sites like, um, I think it's global, uh, globalwealth.com. There's a few different sites. Just, just type in Google, how rich am I? And there's these sort of um, aid uh, websites where they, they calculate how rich you are, how much you earn in comparison to the uh, to the wealth of the rest of the world. And if you plug in Australia's average wage, you know, you're in the top 0.3 or something percent of the world's richest people. And you're thinking, hmm, maybe I am rich. But, you know, compared to everyone, like, Australia is like just, a, you know, a really, a really rich country. Um, but, like I said, rich people 
rich people never, never like to admit they're rich. Um, and I guess if we all were honest and we asked the question, you know, how, how rich or how much do you have to have in order to be rich? Probably I could take a stab in the dark. Every single person here would just say this exactly the same question, sorry, answer in exactly the same way. And the answer would be, you know, to the question, how much do you have to have? The answer is more. <laughs> Every time we just say, you know, how much do you have to have to be rich? I don't know, more than I've got now. That's the Stockholm answer. That's, that's, you can nearly, everyone can nearly uh, have that same answer. So I want to go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now I'm going to go to the Bible for a few answers to this, to this question we're posing and what we're going to do about that. And in 1 uh, first Timothy chapter 6, if you've got a Bible, I don't know if, if Clayton can stick that on the screen or if he's, he's working on it, thank you. Um, uh, verse, verse 17 we're going to go to. Now in 1 in, in uh, Timothy chapter 6, the guy who writes this is Paul. Now Paul's like the, he's the, he's the hot shot, of, you know, he's the spiritual giant, He's the, he's the guy that has all the wisdom. And Timothy's a young buck. He's a, he's a young pastor, minister, worker of the gospel, however you want to describe it. I'm not sure exactly how he described himself back then, but that's sort of what he did. That's what he came up with. And, he, and he's out there doing his stuff. Now, Paul's like a bit of a mentor to Timothy. So Paul writes all this instruction, and he, and he starts writing in this letter, First Timothy. He writes this letter to him, and he, and he talks about different things. And he's, he's sort of given instruction. He's saying, when you're doing ministry, you need to remember this. You need to do this. You need to make sure of... And he, and he gives a bit of wise counsel. And here at the end of this chapter, it's actually the end of this letter in, this, in 1 Timothy, he sort of does a bit of a summary. And this is what it says, and we've got it up there on the screen for you. Um, he says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Now, again, we'll come back to that. If we put this in our time, I think the principles like, very much stay true. Uh, you know, who is rich? Well, I'll let, that, I'll let you decide if you're rich or not, all right, I'm not here to point fingers on that's not what we're here for, but you, that's what happens in your own mind, I'll let you decide if you're rich or not, or you come from a rich family or not, um, but he says something, he says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, that's the first thing, now I don't know if you, some of you might have been here last week, we actually talked about humility versus arrogance, we used it in the concept, uh, the context of, of Anzac Day and, and the self-sacrifice and the humility that they had, but you know, you, you think about, well, what, what is a you know, what is an arrogant person? Um, See, so quite often, uh, and this is a funny thing, quite often people think that because you have a lot of money that you must have a high IQ. You know, like people seem to think that, uh, that if I've, you know, I've got a lot of money which means I'm better than other people. Um, you see, that, like, here's a classic example. Now, I don't mean, now, I don't want to be taken as gospel for this, all right, but this is Neil Redmond's observation. Um, if you've ever seen somebody parked illegally or obstructing a whole heap of other traffic, um, you already know where I'm going with this, don't you, right? right? They're, 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 they're just like, there's no, re- there's no parking sign or, you know, there's cars trying to get past them but they've decided just to pull up on the side of the road and do whatever they have to do even though they're not meant to. It's not always the case. Now, sometimes you might see, this is, these are the two people that I often observe, okay, and there are other people, but this is the two observations. One sometimes is, not so often, but every now and then you'll see someone do this and they're like a young buck in a four-wheel drive that's a bit beat up, okay, that somehow they think they, they, they own the world, they own the road, okay, but sometimes you'll see them. But more often than not, when you see someone pulled up, and I only saw it again this last week and it jogged my memory, uh, when someone pulls up on the side of the road or, or in, a, you know, in a car park somewhere or they're just thinking, nah, the world just has to wait for me, it's nearly always someone in a really nice car. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not being, not being sexist here, but it's often a well-dressed lady 
okay, who thinks that the world just waits for me. All right, I'm, I'm in a pretty shiny BMW or a nice, sleek-looking Mercedes or something like that. Now, if you drive a Mercedes BMW, okay, I'm not talking about you, and if you're a well-dressed lady, I'm sorry, no, I don't mean to talk about you. Unless, of course, that is you that does it, then right, I'm coming looking for you. But, but what is it about money that makes people like that? What is it about money? Well, I've got more money than you, and it's like, you'll just have to wait for me, man. You just drive an old dunger of a, you know, whatever it is. What is it? What is it that makes people arrogant once they have money? And when you're young, like typically, you know, you, no one's got a lot of money, so it's all cool. You're all, but then as people start to sort of, everyone tries to get more money than everyone else, and everyone does outdo, out, tries to outdo each other, and it's just like, ah, what's that? Guess what? It happened a couple of thousand years ago too, and that's exactly what Paul said. Paul turns up, he says, command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant. He says, use what? God has given you for God's glory. Not not it's all about you. Not it's about not it's you know about well I'm better than everyone else. All that sort of stuff. That's what happens. That's what people do. When when people get a few dollars behind them, they they all of a sudden you know think that the ah, world owes me, um, and and we think that we're better than everyone else. Have you ever heard someone say that person is absolutely loaded, but you'd never know it? You've heard people say that. Right, you do. From time to time, you hear people say that, right? That person's absolutely loaded, but you never know it. But I want to suggest something. You actually don't hear it all that often, do you? Like, it's fairly rare that you hear that. Because uh, most often, people who, who are loaded up in that regard, they, I'm not saying they put themselves out there to, 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 to gloat and to brag, but they, you know, it's, it's pretty hard to hide and they have to be pretty conscious to do so. Um, Another, another phenomena that takes place um, when it comes to rich people is, is this word called upgrade. Now, again, I, got no, like, I don't know if anyone does this, so there's, no, so there's no like finger pointing here, okay. But quite often when we start to, like, like if, I, if I ask the, you know, the youngest person in the room, I don't know, there's some year, year eight here, I don't know, year seven here. Um, if I said, you know, have you got a mobile phone? Maybe some do, maybe some don't, okay? Because that's, that's where you're at in life. You're like, well, nah, mum hasn't given me one, so I don't have one. <laughs> that's about how it goes. And then after a while, you get a bit older and maybe your parents get one or you get a job and you get a phone and you get some, or you get a hand-me-down, you know, hand something that dad doesn't want anymore or, or whatever it is. And then you get your first job or you get a job and you get some money and you think, I'm going to buy a brand new phone. And so you go and buy a phone and it mightn't be exactly what you want, but, you know, it's a, it's a good phone. Then after a while you think, you get a few more dollars behind you and you go, nah, this is not as, you know, this is just an, this is an old Android, I want an iPhone. And so you're like, you want to ditch that. And then you, so you go and buy the iPhone and, and mate, oh, stuff, you've only had it like three months and the new one comes out. So you're thinking, oh, man, I've got this perfectly good iPhone in my hand, but there's a new one coming out. So you stand in a line, you know, texting your friends going, I'm just about to pick up a brand new phone. Like, but you've got a really good one already in your hand. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, there's this thing that, that when we got money, that we seem to always keep looking for the next thing. Um, and the same thing happens with like cars. People have brand, you know, pretty good cars. You drive a, a, you know, a good functional car into a, uh, into a car yard, give some bloke some money and drive out with a car that does pretty much the same job. Um, and now he's got your money and your old car. Like, so, you know, just a, just a few little realities of, of what we do. All right, you're saying, Neil, okay, Neil, get on with it. What are we, where are we going with this? Um, 
Commend those who are rich. Well, let's go on to this next bit of this verse, and this is where it comes together. Commend those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant. This is where it goes. Nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything. Wait for it, ready? Wait for it. Everything for our enjoyment. That's big. That's huge. You think about what what brings us enjoyment, what brings us what brings us happiness, what brings us, you know, fulfillment, contentment, all that sort of stuff. And you can think about your own life, but you could also no doubt think of other people around you who go, you know, I've just got to have the next thing, I've got to have the next gadget, I've got to have the next upgrade, I've got to have the next whatever it is that's coming out. Um, and people actually try and I guess earn more money to protect themselves, earn more money because they don't want to um, they don't ever be caught short and, and like, uh, like that guy Chris in that, that last example lives in Brisbane the, um, the online marketer you know like he's saying well, you know you need to start putting your investment portfolios you need the superannuation basically he's saying I need to protect myself I need to make sure that I'm bulletproof I need to make sure that no one else can come near me but here Paul is like it's the direct opposite Paul's saying to Timothy this is what you need to tell people who have a few dollars he says this is what you need to say don't put your faith in don't put your sorry don't put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain in other words wealth can like disappear in an instant but put your hope in God who richly provides with everything for our enjoyment so in other words don't put your hope in the provision but put your hope in the provider that makes sense don't put your don't put your hope in stuff in what is given don't put your don't put your hope in in the in the stuff that's given but in the giver don't put your hope in the provision but the provider it's a funny thing i don't know if anyone's ever done this i don't know if anyone's ever done like a door knock appeal of any description adra red shield anything like that i know i haven't done it a lot i've done it a few times um, but i used to always find that the poorer the area if you went to an area that was sort of more of a low socioeconomic type area um you'd always get more money than if you went to an area with really nice houses, really nice cars, parked in a driveway, all that sort of stuff. It's just, that's just what happens. You mightn't get much, like they might, you know, if you go to, if you go to areas where there's, you know, don't want to be generalising, but you know, there's sort of dead car bodies in the driveway and there's like this and that, you know, and there's dogs about to eat you and all this sort of thing, and you're trying to knock on doors, right? But they come out and go, yeah, I'll give you two bucks, yeah, I'll give you a dollar, and all of a sudden you've got, you know, a, pack, a, a, a packet full of money, you know, a bag full of money. You go to rich areas, nah, 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 nah. Why is that? What is it about us that the more we get, the less we're likely to give? What is it about the more that we have, the tighter we hang on to it? Because rich people, here it is, here it is. Rich people put their hope in their stuff. Rich people put their hope in their, the things that they have people who understand that it could turn away in an instant, that you lose it in an instant, all of a sudden put their hope in the provider. You know, Jesus says, he says, where your, as I said at the start, where your heart is, or where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Like, you think about, stop, think about that for a little bit. The thing that you're focusing on, or the thing that you'll chase, that's where your heart's going to be. Paul was instructing Timothy. Um, he's saying it's really, really important that you don't 
that these people don't start to drift their focus away from that provider onto the provision, onto the giver, from the giver to what is given. Now I'm going to ask you a little reality check question here. Um, now I want you to answer this in your own mind, okay? Now you can no like no looking sideways and laughing at someone else or your partner sitting next to you or something, all right? Or no like you know nudging people to your elbow. I just want you to think about this for yourself. A little reality check question, okay? You ready? I'm going to sit up in your seat, seat or something like that. Okay, here it is. Here it is. Ready? Now, which I'm going to give you two comments, and I want you to answer these comments in your own mind. And I want you to ask yourself which of these two comments or statements, which of these two statements would create more anxiety in my life or in my mind, in my heart, okay? Which of these following two statements would create more anxiety, more stress, more worry, more concern in my life? All right. Statement number one. What if one day, what if tomorrow you woke up and somehow, in some way, don't know how, but just some way you realised, you come to the full realisation that there is no God. God is just zit, nah, like you've just gone, oh my goodness, I never saw that before. What happens if you woke up tomorrow and you realise that there is no God and there's no like heaven, there's no like eternal life and right, that's statement number one. And you think about what sort of stress that would cause in your life. Statement number two. Tomorrow when you woke up, you realised that you had no money and that you had no house, and that you had nowhere to live, and you had no stuff. Which one would create in your, in your life more turmoil? Which one would create more, more heartache? Which one would create more anxiety? Tough question, eh? <laughs> There's a reality check. Like some, and sometimes we might think, and I don't know how you're thinking, and I don't know what's going in your mind, and that's cool, but, but sometimes there's a drift that takes place from the focus on the provider to the provision, from what God gives us, or, or what, what, you know, the God who gives us stuff to the blessings that he actually gives us. And, and, our, and our, fish shift, uh, our focus shifts. And that's why we talk about money. That's why, that's why Jesus came in and he said, it's not, about, it's not about I want your money. I'm not here to ask him, you know, oh, let's give to the church. I'm not here to do that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you should pull out your wallet and, you know, and you shouldn't have shiny cars. Or, I'm not talking about that. That's like you heard me wrong if that's what you think I'm saying. I'm not talking about you shouldn't have stuff or you should do this. Or you, I'm not telling you what to do at all. But what I am saying is, are you sure you know where your focus is? Are you sure you know that, that you really, really care more about the provider and not the provision? Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, okay, so not to be stuck up, not to be like, ah, better than anyone else, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. In you, like, it doesn't take much, you know, and you, you th we can cruise for even years and years and years, and all of a sudden you have something like the old GFC, all that sort of stuff, um, and all of a sudden people are just like, whoa, whoa, I thought it was safe as, and now it's like out of control. Um, Don't put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything. I was talking to, um, I was talking to a guy who um, worked in international aid yeah, a year or so ago, um, and he was saying how the contrast between a third world country and, and our Australian culture uh, is, is so, just so vivid, so remarkable. 
uh, particularly said when we we're talking about young people and about kids and he said you know like young people and he had a couple of teenage kids of his own teenage boys of his own and he said yeah they're always off but they've always got their hand out dad i need a new ipod i need a new this i need a new that and everyone else has got and i want and all this sort of stuff and they're always grumbling about something he said you go to a third world country and you've got these kids they're running around no shoes they've got nothing they're living in whatever and he said and that's just they're just loving life they're just so happy and it's the contrast between these people realize there's no there's money's like we haven't got it so why worry about it that's their attitude you know like they don't even have it to dream about it but they're just making life they're just so content and that's even that's putting god aside that's not even in a christian setting that's just like that's just what happens um, put god in the mix of that too and it even amplifies that um, hundredfold um, but yeah there's something about putting our hope in 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 jesus himself uh, i want you to fast forward I don't know, maybe 60, 70 years, I don't know, maybe for some of us 20 or 30 years, I don't know. But on, <laughs> wherever you put yourself, why don't you fast forward your life and think, you know, maybe I've lived a good life and, and you know, I'm an old person now and I'm in hospital and, and things aren't looking so good and this is, you know, I've lived a good life, happy, content. Maybe, maybe your time's nearly there. Maybe your, your time's nearly up. I want you to think about what would your, what would... You know that question I just asked you about that anxiety? Which one would it be? Is it if, if there is no God or if you had no money? If you put yourself that, if you fast forward your life till you're about to, you know, pass on and ask yourself the same question, would your answer be any different? And if it would be, if your answer would be different then, if you really, if you really, you know, and I can make a presumption here and probably pretty safe to say for most of us, you'd just think, oh, like that stuff, money, just, I don't give a rip now, it's all meaningless but I am really looking forward to the next step. If it matters so much then, let's make it matter in the middle. Let's make it matter now. Let's, let's maybe have that same focus that, um, that you would like to have then. Let's make it happen now. I hope that the drift that potentially can happen to all of us maybe not have started for you. And, and you know, James, like, mate, it's a fantastic day for you and, you know, you've just latched on to this God stuff uh, I mean, you've been there for a while, but, you know, just, it's, it's so inspiring to see people go, you know what, that, that sort of stuff is, is not as important. I, I care more about my relationship with Jesus, and I'm going to stand up today and, and tell everyone about it. And that's cool as. But for all of us to think, all right, where am I at with that? You know, am I putting my, my hope in the, in the given, not the giver, in the provision, not the provider? And I pray that... Uh, that we can shift focuses. And we go through this next few weeks. We've got a couple more weeks to go. Uh, we're talking about um, how, I guess, how, how, how the realities of life, because that's, that's what we're talking about with this money, the realities of life, how they impact how we live and how we see God. For now, let's pray together and, uh, and finish off. And then, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do some stuff with James. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, I just want to thank you so very much. Um, I want you to thank you so much that you give us um, just incredible amounts of blessings, and and you want good stuff. You, it's, you know, you you as you know as Paul writes here, it's for our enjoyment. It's it's the stuff that you want us to be happy. You want us you you want us to enjoy life, and but to do it with you and to focus on you, and not to get sidetracked by the stuff that happens and by the things that happen in our life that just sometimes can just take over, may we just stop and just look back and just take a, you know, have a bit of a reality check this morning and to realise 
hey, you know what, there is nothing better than, than putting our hope in you. And of course you want great things for us, but first and foremost, number one priority is all about you and our relationship with you. I pray that we can do that. Um, and if we're challenged by that in any way, I pray that we can actually step up to that challenge and that we can get ourselves into a spot where you are the most important, always and forever. Thanks, Lord. Amen. All right, thanks, everyone. Um, about 12 o'clock.